Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome everyone to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson. Oh, love me some midweek dance parties. I, that was fantastic. I loved everything that about awesome. that. <laughs> so my guest, so Lisa, cool. picked, right? And you picked great songs and just the, that perfect energy. And we were chatting before we hit record about um, energy and vibe and flow and all of that great stuff. And then throw on your dance songs. I'm like, there we are. This is fabulous. And uh, so thank you. Thank you, Lisa, for picking such great songs to get us right into what I guarantee is going to be a high energy, fun, fabulous, hot mess to awesomeness conversation. (laughs) Oh, so let me just let everybody know a little bit about um, how I know you, I guess, more like why I I really uh, love you. So we got connected yeah so we got connected uh, through a mutual friend um, about this amazing um virtual conference summit that you are um executing like yeah. a, like a fiend i'm really excited about it and so we had that beautiful chat and i swear it was like that first second we started talking and it was like oh the camera's not working this is and we both just started laughing i'm like oh this is this is my person that's this right fantastic and it was love at first sight really yeah. it really was <laughs> And then it just kept growing from there. The more that you shared about um, what you do and more importantly, why you do it and why you continue to show up um, for your clients and this community that you're building, this global community of um, divine spirits, of entrepreneurs who are being led and, and guided by sort of this higher sense of knowing, which I am a huge fan of. So I'm like uber practical. I'm all about getting shit done. And, you know, you know, math is my friend and all of that. (laughs) And when it comes down to it at my core, um, I am completely driven by that knowing that internal Mm -hmm. just is voice. And um, the chance to talk to you about that and to explore that a little bit more and to know that there's this whole community of people just rocking it. I've just fucking like, yes, please. So, oh yeah. (laughs) So I'm so grateful that um, we found some time in our, we're very busy women. I get that um, to jump on and, and record this podcast. And, and I'm excited for my community to learn more about you and what you do and why you do it. And, um, and I think, um, there, there needs to be more of us out in the world having these kinds of conversations and that energy just needs to keep flowing. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> Sounds great to me. Sounds great to me. <laughs> so Lisa, before we dive in, I just want to share with everybody a little bit about you officially, because of course, oh boy. like I said, I have my opinions and my ideas um, and my, my open heart and all my love. But so Alisa is a mindset coach, author, speaker, and entrepreneur. She has helped thousands of people for over 28 years with transformation to live authentically and build a lifestyle that matches their soul's calling. 
Her superpower is connection and kryptonite sour cream and onion chips. Oh my God, I didn't even know that. That's exciting because that's me too. <laughs> um, she loves fiercely and is always looking for the next great adventure in her business and in her personal life. Welcome, my soul sister. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much. And what a wonderful introduction. I'm just happy to be here and I'm just happy to play with you. Like if you ask yes. me to come and just talk and we can talk about, you know, your favorite type of furniture, that would be great too. Like I just, I love <laughs> your energy and I'm, I'm so blessed that we connected in this way. I'm really happy to be here. Um, we absolutely can talk about furniture and shoes and food and kids and things yeah. and, and, and art and music. And there, yes. are you familiar with Jason Silva? So Jason Silva is like, sounds an, familiar, but, like an internet guy. He did, okay. um, he was a host for a kid's sort of science show for a long time. But I mean, I don't know what transformed him, but he is this massive sort of force. Um, he is an orator and speaks his mind about all things, energy and science and, okay. and um, psychedelic drugs and all kinds of things. Anyway, he did a talk um, that I caught on social media and it was about brain coupling. And so the idea is literally the physics around the vibration that matches another person's vibration through thought. And, um, and, and as you are having a conversation, you literally link energetically and as a result can kind of lose space and time. And then all of a sudden you're just like in it, right? And yep. I think we've all, yep. when we're talking about it, people are like, yeah, like I totally vibe with a person or, or whatever word you use, you're like, yeah, we were just so connected. I felt like I'd known them forever, all that stuff. Um, me, love the fact that there's some science behind that. Um, but now I kind of look for it and I'm really yeah. jazzed when it happens and I'm like, oh, I'm in it over here. Oh, it's exciting. Yes, yes. And, and, yes. That, and that, that is how I feel about you. And even though you're uh, across the border, um, far, far away, energy can travel the globe, the universe. It doesn't have it does. those limitations. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So now we're brain couples instead of being like soul sisters or kindred spirits, like, like we're brain couples, <laughs> right? That's, love a, that. that's a new thing. I'm writing that down. Brain couples. Awesome. I get that. And I've had those connections with people. And when you find it to me, it's, it feels like magic, right? But it's also, to me, it also just warms my heart. And I feel like I, um, I've connected with somebody in my soul. And that's what it feels like to me when I talk with you. It's, it's wonderful. Thank it's you. awesome. And I yeah. think, I mean, with this conversation can go sideways <laughs> real fast. But I think when there's that, when people start talking about this, like that soul, the magic, and I'm, I'm all about it. I, I look at that and go, and, and there's this quantum energy that rests inside of all of that. And not that it's mm -hmm. to be explained, um, but it's, it's more than something that is completely unexplainable or unattainable that it's, right. you know, you know, for some people, that idea of magic is just not a thing, but it, it's, it's not just, it, it's not Harry Potter. Although if that was real, I'd be really fucking happy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's grounded in the yeah. laws of the universe and That's right. whether you understand them all mm -hmm. because you're not a quantum physicist um, or you, you're just sort of excited by it. I mean, it, it, it just is. And yeah. Oh, yay. Yeah. Brain couples. Yeah. Well, I told you that, we, I don't know, we are going <laughs> sideways here, but speaking of <laughs> metaphysics, <laughs> 
I'm, I'm a huge fan and I can't even pretend to like speak on this intelligibly, um, but I read it, I'm studying it, I'm practicing it. It's part of like who I am. Um, and I definitely believe that, you know, we're going to be learning and hearing more about it, you know, and <laughs> back in the day when I was buying, uh, you know, cars and houses as a single woman, um, I just remember using that phrase and throwing it around when people were trying to pigeonhole me into like some kind of a female stereotype, you know, like, oh, you're a counselor. Do you work with kids? Like, oh, yeah. you're a coach. Oh, you must be a life coach. You help people like organize their life. Right. And I would say, oh, no, no, I'm a metaphysical engineer. And it would like shut them up and they'd look at me. I'm like, oh, it, you know, you just, it's, it's like with the brain and the mind, like you wouldn't understand, you know? And it was like my way of like, kind of like standing in my power and not wanting to be like labeled. You know? right. I laugh at it now, but now it's like really a thing. Like, yeah, I'm a metaphysicist, you know? Yeah. Fucking right. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody oh. can steal it. That's fine. <laughs> like, I think we should just like, I, I'm sure that there's an, uh, an actual degree that you would need to, to, you know, have to call yourself that sure. professionally, but I think it's some, a term we can start using, you know? I mean, I've always loved the term practitioner or Ooh, like that. theorist yeah, or um, observer, explorer. All these things are fabulous. Yeah. And um, yeah. An enthusiast. Absolutely. Enthusiast. Yes, I'm a metaphysics enthusiast. I say that about much of the research that I have sitting over here. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm a positive psychology enthusiast. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. an epigenetics enthusiast. Love it. I'm mm -hmm. a um, art and hand lettering and all things messy <gasps> enthusiast. Uh, and, that. and so, it's funny because I get really jazzed, like really jazzed by stuff that's, and, and when I find that it, it almost like melts into me, like it integrates so quickly because it just fucking is. Yes, and then I'm like, yeah. oh, I need to put this out into the world. I'm like, that, that's a lot. It, it's a lot. And so <laughs> um, now in some of my communities, I'm like, I'm just going to do some, I called this in, in my membership group. I have a whole section called cool shit masterclasses. It's just cool shit that I think is interesting. It really doesn't necessarily, I mean, it relates to um, sparking your creativity and following yes. your fascinations and really aligning what, with what lights you up by figuring out what that is. Um, but like I have one on worm composting because I think that's just cool. And that I want to know cool. more about that. Yeah. The woman coming to talk about tarot and I had hypno, like I had all kinds of things and I'm like, I just think it's interesting. So there, I can't be the only one. Although right. I can't, I can't relay right. it into like my entire business and be like, I am the blah, 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 enthusiast. Like, right. <laughs> people don't want to buy into a title. <laughs> people will get exhausted reading it. But I love that. Yes. And you can have so many passions. Somebody um, on my conference was just talking about the phrase Renaissance woman. And I think that's what you're talking about, that we are Renaissance women, that we don't yes. have to master one trade and say, this is who I am. You know, we can say that the, all of these things is what I am and I can be passionate about this and I can be passionate about that and incorporate all of those things into my life. And I get to pick and choose what things become what I consider like a career or in my entrepreneurial world. And the rest can just be for fun. Like I do calligraphy, watercolor, stained glass. You know, and I have spaces in my house for all of those things. And my husband says we need a bigger house because we need more space for all of the crafts that you pick up along the way, you know? <laughs> I 
but they're just so I'm an enthusiast of all those things. Am I professional in any one of those things? No, like I, I'm not going to go sell. I, I guess I could, I could open an Etsy store, but it's not, you know, it's just ways you know of what? expressing ourselves. Do you know what's amazing about this is the embodiment of that practice of just being like, yeah, I'm going to follow this. And it doesn't have to be the thing. We're so, yes. you know, as a generation of women, we're so conditioned that if you're going to do something, it needs to be number one of service to somebody else. That's, that's number right. one. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and following your, your creative passions that are artistic and just for you and no one sees what's the fucking point of that. Right. Like it right. just became this thing. I remember putting down my sketchbook as a kid and because it didn't serve a purpose. Like, I don't remember having that conscious thought, but like yeah. that last bit of art, I used to design furniture when I was really, I say really little, I was a young kid and had this like huge sketchbook of like furniture I wanted to create. I wanted to be a woodworker. I wanted to be super excited about that. Um, but that didn't serve, like it, it was clear to me that that wasn't going to be what I was supposed to do, supposed to do. And yeah, ended up following to. a different path. And Ugh. the path I took is great. I have a big brain. It's all, it works and that's lovely. Um, <laughs> but to tap back into a creative center, that was huge part of my transformation. Yeah. I started practicing being creative, set up a little zone in my kitchen with my infant and my toddler who weren't allowed to touch my Crayola markers because I was doing my thing. <laughs> So I'm so excited to hear that you too are a fascination follower and mm. the um, like the happy creative, right? The Renaissance mm. woman. Fucking, oh, I if there were, I didn't think there was going to be things that would make me love you more. And then here you are, like ten minutes in. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. Oh, just wait. There's more. <laughs> but wait. Oh, good. The, the more best you get to know pitch. people and you really connect, like there's, there are probably, you know, ways that we can each connect with every single person if we learn enough about them, you know, and it, and, and it could just be that their careers are boring, their, their tone is boring, their energy is boring, but they love worm composting. Who knew? You know, like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I love worm composting too. Like, oh my God, we're kindred spirits. We're brain couples, you know? <laughs> so I think I'm pretty sure it was Bill Nye. Um, that had Love said, him. I do know him. Yeah. oh, and, and okay. he had said like, everybody knows something you don't. And right. um, one of my favorite Ted talks is by a woman named Celeste Headley and she's an NPR interviewer. Um, and it was about having great conversations. And, and she had said like, everybody has something that I can learn. So if That's I right. go into a conversation going, what do you got? What do you do? What, like, what's your thing? Um, which is much different than let me tell you my thing. Right? Although we'll get there, yes. uh, right? Yes. That happens. Um, but it really, it just create it, it opens up so many doors, especially for those of us who are intrigued yeah. by this idea of um, just the process of being curious. That's, oh gosh. Like yes. that's, that's just it. Like, I just love that. Yeah. Like what you got, tell me more about that. Ooh, yeah. that sounds cool. Like this whole yeah. podcast started because I'm like, Ooh, what do you got going on? That sounds exactly. interesting. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. You got it. So, so that being said, what you, I'm excited to hear about what you have going on because of course you are, you are in this, um, well, we're all in the thing, uh, on the planet, but you are working towards creating something really fantastic with your conference, your online conference, which is number two in, um, you did one last year as well, yes. but mm -hmm. 
when I chatted with you earlier, we had talked about a lot of that shoddy stuff, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the stuff you're supposed to do and how it's supposed to work out and, um, you know, strong, independent women, I'm just going to do it yet still in kind of inside the lines, right? So we, we, oh, yeah. we short up against the edge, but still not venturing out too, too far. But I know that you did. I know that you had that pivotal moment when you're like, nope, this is, there's more to this. There's something yeah. different. I need to be following this, this path that was kind of being led by your light, that, that internal knowing. So is that what happened? That that, sounds so much more profound than the actual experience. (laughs) The experience is always a freaking mess. That's the whole thing. It's a hot mess. It doesn't feel like this is catharsis. I'm having this moment. No, it doesn't fucking feel like that. It feels like a disaster. Um, But hindsight, 2020, the whole thing. So take us back. Let's dive back into that moment. um, And, and walk us through what that was like. So I knew you were going to ask this question and I was thinking like, how far back do I go? Because, and I'm sure that this is probably very similar to a lot of our journeys that it didn't start at a specific date of February 2nd of 2020. And that's when I knew that I was going to be this new entrepreneur and I had a clear vision, like, no, like (laughs) I, I, I want to go back all the way back to when I was young and I was 13 years old. And I had a teen line in my bedroom because my mother and father, I'm like 53 years old, okay, soon to be 54. I'm just putting that out there because there were no cell phones, there were no nothing. And I was a, I was a chatterbox like since I was born and I love talking on the phone, but there was a landline and there was only one landline in the house. Imagine that people, like one phone in the house, not everybody has their own. So my parents were sick and tired of not having use of the phones. They gave my sister and I a teen line. And that's, that opened up a whole new world for me. Like that was like the internet for me. You know what I mean? Because I got to talk with my friends whenever I wanted. But what I recognized is that I was having these kinds of conversations with my friends all the time and tell me more and, and those curious conversations. And then they would share like really deep shit with me. Mm. And at 13 years old, I suddenly found myself as like the hotline, you know, for suicidal teens and kids who were abused and, and they were my friends and my, and my classmates. Like, it wasn't like I had a number up and there was no internet. So how could they find me? But I was having these deeper conversations and I, I really, I didn't plan it. I didn't invite it. It just kind of happened. But I think just by my nature of being a good listener and loving people so deeply and being so curious, I just fell into that role of being the helper and being the listener because I cared. I was just being a friend. And I think that was like the beginning of my path to being um, a therapist or a life coach or whatever you want to call it. I had no training. I was 13 freaking years old. You know what I mean? I had no business talking to kids at that time about suicide. Like I could have been in a lot of deep doo-doo had things not gone as they did. But there I was. And for the rest of my life, you know, I'm the person that people go to when they're having difficulties because I care and I listen and it's really that simple. And then I just realized that you can actually like get a career in this and get paid for it. So I'm like, why not do that? Like people pay you to talk to people. Are you crazy? You know? Um, And I launched into my psychology career and then, you know, my whole life, all I wanted was to have my little office 
um, where I could just sit in my chair and I just picture myself back in um, the 80s and the 90s, you know, therapists had an actual uniform. People might not realize that like nurses had like the hat, well, back in the day, right? And the scrubs, well, therapists had long skirts and like a, like a flouncy top and they got to sit in lounge chairs or comfy chairs and rather than the suit and tie. So I like envision myself as this really like wise woman with a flowy skirt in a corner office with a window. And like, that would be like it. That's like the pinnacle of my career, right? And so I worked and I followed the rules and I did everything I was supposed to do and I made it and I finally made it. And I had a lot of bumps on the road in my personal life and professional life and everything. But like, I finally reached that point where I'm like, oh my God, now I'm really doing it. I got, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I have my office. I got my dream office, you know, and got to see my dream clients like every day. And people would hand me money and I'd come home and tell my husband like, oh my God, somebody else paid me to, to listen to them. Like, this is nuts. And he's like, Lisa, you have a lot of training. You have a master's degree. You've worked in psych wards. Like you have the train. I know, but we're just like chilling out and talking and people are giving me money. Like, this is awesome. And then um, my life took a lot of other turns. And you and I had this conversation before that um, when I was in my private practice, I had my son. And I was an older parent. Um, I also went through a divorce. Um, and I, I'm not going to go into that so much, not that I, because I need to hide it or anything, but I, I moved through a divorce when I was 29 into like 30, 31. And it was a pivotal time for me. I had to take two jobs. I had to overcome a lot. Um, but all of those things that I had to move through were like kind of, I was supported. I had a lot of support around me. Yes, it was difficult emotionally, but I kind of kept the ball rolling. I just kind of pushed through, you know, like I was able to kind of push through it. I made more money. I got help. I sold my house. I bought a condo. I did all of those things. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm resilient. And like, I thought I was the shit. I'm like, okay, like I'm working two jobs. I'm getting through this and I'm look at me. I'm still put together. Like I knew I was a mess and to my closest friends, they knew I was an absolute mess. But like, I, you know, still kind of kept my shit together and had the outward appearance of, she can do so much, right? Like, ah, yeah. oh. like I'm sure you've heard that one before. <laughs> I just kept plugging along. Well, courageously, I got remarried, scared out of my mind, but I got remarried. And then I ran into infertility issues didn't expect that. That kind of knocked me off because I was afraid that I would never have my actual dreams. And yes, I achieved the success in my business, but my true dream was to be married and have children. Like ultimately at the end of the day, at the end of my life, that would bring the most meaning. And I felt like I was being denied that by having infertility. And it was really, really hard, a very dark part of my life. And the people who knew me the most saw it. Um, but again, you know, I'm trying to hide it and put on the happy counseling face. I'm fine. I've got it all together. Um, and then I was able to get pregnant and I had big mess. I had a surgery beforehand. Then I finally, and I finally had my son at age 39, 39. And <clears throat> even though I was an older woman having him, I still felt kind of young. And I still went back to my office after about six months. I went back to my private practice. I'm like, okay, whew. oh, that was a lot. I went through a divorce, 
went through infertility. I'm going to have to write a book about this one day because that was a lot of shit, you know, like, and finally I'm on the other side and I have my family and look, I can do it all. Like I can have my son, I can have my new husband and I, I can have my business and this is going to be an amazing life, you know? And then I made the most critical mistake. And if I can offer this to anyone out there, I said a prayer, but I didn't just say any prayer. I said the prayer that if, and I'm glad I said it now, but like at the moment I had no idea what I was doing. Again, no business making this kind of a prayer. I said, I was laying in bed next to my husband. My son is still in a room in, in a crib. And I'm like, you know, or maybe he was in his own room. I don't know. He was like, I don't know, like a year old. So he's probably in his own room. And I said, I love my life, God. Um, and I love my husband. Thank you for giving me a second chance at love. And thank you for my son and giving me an opportunity to have children. And thank you for everything in my life and my, and my home and everything, but I want more. And I just want a deeper connection with my husband. Like I want to know him on a soul level. We love each other, but I want to know him on a much deeper level. And then about a month later, I conceived my daughter. And my daughter, Heidi, um, has Down syndrome and a heart defect that we discovered when she was, uh, when I was 19 weeks pregnant. And they told us that um, they saw a shadow on her heart. And they told us that um, her heart defect was so severe that she probably wouldn't live to birth. And that if she did, she'd most likely need you know, a couple heart surgeries, a couple, you know, a couple heart surgeries after she's born. And even then she may not survive. And so we had to make a decision whether or not we were going to terminate the pregnancy or continue on and face this really long road, knowing that I, I had like a son at, at home who was a year and a half at this point. Like, how is it going to impact his life? I knew it was my last shot at a pregnancy. I was 40. And I didn't think that I would be able to handle something if I had lost this child or if anything happened. And I certainly knew that if I have this child, I'm probably going to miss a window of time to try again in a few years, you know? So this was so critical. And my husband and I decided to move forward and we had our daughter and she lived to birth and she was the fattest baby in the ICU, which was awesome. People were like, why is she in there? She was like eight, eight pounds, six ounces or something like that. Like she was big. But she turned blue when she was born and she needed oxygen and she had her first heart surgery at, at a um, day five. And then um, when she was nine months old, she went back to have her second series of heart surgeries. And that time period was the time period, like when you, when we talked about you know, your podcast here, The Hot Mess, that was probably one of the most pivotal, most painful times of my life thus far. Um, and hopefully ever, you know, I'm not making any of those crazy prayers again. Um, but I, you know, during that stay, we were in the hospital for two months and we almost lost our daughter. She almost died many times. And, um, but before that even happened back to, you know, like I had my practice, I had my family and everything. When we got the diagnosis <clears throat> of her heart defect, I realized that I could no longer put on this happy face I, all the time. Like I could no longer do it all. I had to make some significant choices about my life. And I could have chosen to terminate the pregnancy knowing that it was gonna be really rough and she probably wouldn't survive and just continue on and work. But my values and my heart told me no, trust, trust and move forward. And I, I did pray, I'm, a, I'm very spiritual. 
And, you know, I don't know if I call myself super religious because I'm not perfect at going to church all the time, but I'm very spiritual. And I just got this knowing that I should just have this child and play it out, see what happens. And oh my God, I'm so glad I did. But I decided to shut down my practice um, permanently. And it was hard. I mean, I had to tell all of my clients that who I loved that I can't work with them. And they said, well, how about on the side? And I'm like, I can't. Like I physically had to shut it down and emotionally shut it down. And it was shut down for five years. Um, and I focused on my family. My daughter got through that horrendous stay in the hospital by the skin of her teeth. And I say by a miracle. And that's an entire story unto itself. But what I allowed myself to do was to tap into what I needed for my entire life and really weigh out the values of what I wanted to create. And what I wanted to create was um, a family life where I felt supported and loved, a community that I know I could call on to help myself, my husband, my daughter, my son, my dog, you know, and, and have that deeper connection and a larger community. And I have to tell you, it was not easy because I was so much a lone wolf. Like I had always been very independent and I don't like to ask for help. Like I didn't, I had a hard time asking help for babysitting for my son. Like, oh, can you come over? Yeah, I feel bad for asking, you know, but here I am. I was so vulnerable with my daughter's health crisis that I had no choice. It was sink or swim. If I didn't have help with my son, then my daughter wouldn't, I couldn't go to my, my daughter's bedside in the cardiac ICU. And if I didn't have help with my house or my dog, then I would have lost it all. So I had, it was like the universe saying, okay, Lisa, <laughs> uh, um, you are a very strong woman, I'll give you that, but it's time to allow help. It's time to allow others to lift you up and hold you. And I did. And, and so, my daughter has been my inspiration um, for what's possible when we allow ourselves to be seen, when we allow our vulnerability and our what others might seem like as weaknesses to be exposed because it opened me up. It opened me up to the possibilities of what I could create next in every area of my life, uh, you know, in my personal life, in my professional life. And she continues to be an inspiration. By the way, she is alive and well. She is 12 years old. She's going to be 13 years old in April. And it scares the shit out of me because she's like a teenager now. Like, ah! She's awesome. And when she was three and a half, she had her last uh, most recent heart, open heart surgery. And they kind of rebuilt her heart. They used um, Dacron and Gore-Tex to build the, the, uh, the walls of her heart because all the blood was flowing. And they used her tissue to build a new valve. Like it was, it was like something in a sci-fi movie. If you were to understand the mechanics of what happened, but how it affected her, she got off oxygen. She got out of a wheelchair, learned how to walk in about six months after we got done that surgery. And she is a powerhouse. We call her the energizer bunny and she's fabulous. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm talking, 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 cut me off Dion, because I can go on. But I think what, um, when you asked that question about, you know, what was that, what was the, what were the things that kind of happened that kind of launched me into this next era, that's the whole journey. And then that most recent thing with my daughter, I have not ever gone back to working um, outside of the home. Mm. And I made that decision because 
I, I so valued the time that I had with her and with my son that I wanted to be available to them. And when they come home from school, I'm here. And when they go off to school, I'm here. And I'm not working nights and weekends. And more than that, I recognized that my family was a higher priority than my career. However, I can't not work. <laughs> because like we were talking about as a, as a Renaissance woman or whatever you want to say, like, I can't sit still. Like my husband will put on Hallmark movies. Like he's the romantic, right? He'll put on Hallmark <laughs> movies after like I wash, you know, give my daughter a bath or something. And I come downstairs, I'm like, what are you watching? He's like, I'm watching a Hallmark, come sit with me. And I'm like, oh, okay, 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 I will. And I'm like, but I, I wanna be doing a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not out of a, and I, I swear to God, like people say, oh, you're avoiding things and stuff like it's no, it's like, I always, I have this creative energy flowing through me all of the time. And I do have to kind of force myself to slow down and be present and all that jazz. Um, but by moving into that, into that new space of how am I going to be a mom and a business owner and do it in a way that resonates with my soul where I don't have to deny either part of myself, that I don't have to pick and choose, but I might have to pick and choose the way I do it. And in different seasons, I have different ways of being. And so during those five years when I was home and not working at all, I was in a season of being there for my daughter and knowing her meds. And, and being up around the clock every two hours, giving the meds and understanding her medical condition and her emotional needs. And I was present and I won't trade that. I mean, I, people will be like, oh my God, you know, you, if you had worked, you could have saved so much more, but I wouldn't trade that time for any, anything, you know? Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. You're welcome. There's so many, there's so many little inlets. I'm like, oh, that, yeah, oh, yeah. that. <sighs> I, I can vividly envision the the doing the going mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the strive and go and be and do and um being someone who's a, a consummate doer um there's always something that's going on and, and happening and and I'm in charge of it and so right, I can right. see like you said that lone wolf I'm like yeah like I this is mine I've got this I do this this is this is and this is how it's done oh, this yeah. way mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and then stepping into a space where you have to surrender to the whatever. Yeah. Right. And what I heard in your story, which I think is so powerful. Um, so many pieces are so powerful, but what I heard was one of the things that made it possible for you to make the shift. Number one, you, you, you just do and you have to, and, and right. we're talking about other humans and lives here, but to make the shift in your mind and energetically to then be okay, like to be um, comfortable and, and, and feel confident that what you're doing is the, the, the right thing for you is it sounded to me like you really connected to that higher vision, that higher version of you that you're, yeah. you had mentioned about alignment to your values. And, and I look at that, I look at the three aspects of, of experience, the why, the how, and the what. And so, so many of us get very caught up in the what, and we then yes. self-define around yeah. the what, what do you do, you know, and, and, and everything mm -hmm. is attached to what I do. And, oh, yeah. and then when things like global pandemic happen and what you do isn't fucking what you do anymore, because you can't yeah. do it that way. Um, you, people who are very, very committed to the what can get easily derailed if they can't 
chunk up to something higher. So the next level up is the how. Okay, yeah. so, you know, uh, it's different what. So, you know, you're still a therapist, okay, but not in an office doing the thing, sitting in the long flowy skirt and frilly shirt and the, the whole yeah, comfy yeah, chair yeah. that, you know, how you do it has shifted. Okay, so that's fine. And the even the bigger chunk up is why. And so then it becomes being at work or being at home. It's the why that matters. It's not yeah. what I'm doing. It's why I'm doing it. So, you know, when you had mentioned uh, early in your story about, yes, you were driven by your career and, and the passions that, that lie inside of that, um, you had a knowing that that was all well and good and kept you busy, kept you going. But what you really wanted was that connection and family. And, yeah. um, you know, it, when we go way up to those whys, it makes the yeses and the nos a lot easier. Oh yeah, piece of cake. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested in in what it is that you um, connected to, so that you could more easily align with your why, right? Because the whats are changing, and that can be really jarring, especially when you know there's a lot of unknowns and you know, there's control is like not yours and. Um, how did you stay grounded in those early days and moving through? Um, and, and how did you stay connected to your why while still staying with your feet planted on the ground in real life? I get that. And my answer is really, really simple. My faith, my mm. faith. Um, I, since I was a little girl, I've always had a very strong um, sense of spirituality as I shared. And um, it's always easier to tap into my faith when I'm like in need, you know, because it's easy to be dropped to my knees and going like, okay, help, okay, help. <laughs> but I go there too when I want inspiration and I'm bored and I want more. Like I go to my faith for that as well. And, you know, during the times when I knew things were happening, oh my gosh, did I scream up at the sky or wherever, you know, like, why is this happening to me? I asked all those questions and I, I wanted that grounding. I wanted that that sense of security. And, you know, this is a huge word because this has come up a lot You um, in the pandemic, you know, like people are like, oh my gosh, everything's so uncertain. I'm like, when was anything ever certain in the first place? When did you, did you really truly have security all this time or was it just an illusion? And when anybody has any trauma happen to them and it could be something as simple as getting, you know, like a, you know, fender bender in your car or a major health issue, you know, we ask those questions like, why is this happening to me? Um, but the truth is that things are happening to people all the time. You know, like, <laughs> why did you expect to never get into a car accident or never have a health problem? Like, that's ridiculous. You know, the chances of you having something like to happen are higher. But finding the grounding is so key um, because I know that things like that life is going to go sideways and that I'm going to get something else that's going to happen that's going to knock me off my feet and how do i manage those times and i think the first thing is my faith um, but the second thing is community community and connection and not lone wolfing it um, because during those times it wasn't like i was sitting in, the, in my living room floor with my my legs crossed you know, you know, saying om or saying a special <laughs> prayer that the magic would come down from the heavens. Like usually it looked like me praying, like, God, help me. God, help me. Oh, somebody just called me. Oh my gosh, it's my best friend. How did she know? Right. How did she know to call me just now? And then I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, or 
it would be through you and I are musically connected. So a lot of times my faith, you know, like God speaks to me through music. There have been times and I'm like, I just need a sign. Like, just show me a sign. I'm not alone. And I might be listening to something on Pandora or whatever, where it's not a playlist. It's just random. And like some random song that they don't play in that playlist pops on. And it's just the message I need. Mm. And whether you believe or not, I do. And that's all that matters. And that resonates for me. And it gives me that peace and serenity to know I'm not alone. I'm not alone on the spiritual plane, physical plane. And I've got this. Oh, you hit on so many really, really important pieces. And whether, and we've discussed this, being a spiritual person is really about believing in your own potential and -hmm. your own possibility and trusting that everything is working out for you. You just have to allow it. And I I think it's um, wonderful that you had brought up the idea of security. And, you know, that was one of the conversations I had been having regularly in the early days of the pandemic, especially with people in my world who were like, you know, how could they not do this? And how could they not do that? And everything that else was going on in the world. And I, and I said, we are all running through the lens of safety. So our behaviors are all driven by our core values. And in, and safety, although we may not necessarily identify it, is kind of like a core driver. And, uh, you know, I was speaking with yeah. a friend of mine, and he is a, um, a very well-respected, very involved um, police officer doing some very interesting details. And he's seen different things. And I was like, in my perspective, we're all driven by the same thing. So yeah. my compassion tells me, it's, I don't have to agree with what it is that you're choosing, the what of what you're doing, but why you're doing it is the same why I'm doing it, right? And yeah. so when we look at the experiences that we're going through, um, we may not understand or even can fathom what people are doing as a result. Yeah. But when we look at us as, as humans, as beings, that we're all driven by this this the desire to feel safe and then in layered in that is all the other values all of our responsibilities our experiences our perceptions and all those things and so then of Mm -hmm. course out pops a whole different what um it i found that really fascinating it really was a grounding point for me and and speaking of that when you when you were talking about um being grounded and and turning to your spirituality and to your faith um regardless of what someone's who someone's talking to or what they're talking to or, or what that, whether they feel they're talking to themselves or outwardly or the big you or whatever. Um, it, just having that faith that I just have to surrender to this moment yes, and be yes. willing to be yeah. open to the next thing because biologically your brain will delete anything that you don't believe. And so if I yeah. don't believe that there's possibility, then when it comes knocking on the phone, showing yes. up in my life, on the radio, I'm going to miss it. And if, so right. if you, if you want to be able to catch the opportunities as they arrive, however you feel that they showed up in the world, um, you have to believe that it's possible. And, you know, so grounding mm-hmm. and really getting that, getting centered and, and reconnecting to um, what you truly have control over, which is your thoughts and your beliefs and your actions, right? that will create the environment for just ease. Not yes. easy, not easy, but ease. 
Yes. And, and that's what I heard yeah. in your story that, you know, it wasn't easy. None of it was mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. and it was challenging and you showed up to it. You continued to show up to it because you believed that you could. Yes. And I think that is, can be a really sticky point for a lot of people, a lot of women who may be listening to this podcast, that if you don't believe that you can, then the, the, the goal just gets further and further away. Right. And, and, and and the stuckness, you know, the trying to claw back to the life that once was that could never be again, but there you are. Um, And, and so I use the word faith in in any version that you interpret it. Right. So having faith in yourself, having faith Mm -hmm. in energy, in beings, in possibility really makes it possible for you to move through the hot mess, right? I, I, yes. I equate that with your, your belief in yourself and your capacity to do that is what makes you awesome. Yeah. And, and when you hold yeah. on to, and I'm talking like you and, and the global you here, right, but, right. you know, you held on to that mm-hmm. and managed to create a life that honored your doerness, your go, 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 your, you know, the, the creative, <laughs> the fascinations and the, you know, be there when you be where you want to be, when you want to be doing those things, you're still independent, you're still driven, you're still passionate. And you've found a way to align those pieces um, by connecting fully to yourself and to that global energy. Oh, it's fucking so great. It just like (laughs) to, to, to observe it and yeah. to know that it is um, to just to see people experience that it's such an inspiration and it's such a, a, a beautiful testament to what is possible for just people living their lives. Right. That's it's not it. like you, you know, did anything extremely magical and you, you flew to the moon and you got the big knowledge and you That's came right. back and, you know, right. it, just living your life. And yeah. Oh, taking a shower, getting an idea in the shower. That's when it happens. Okay. Everybody. That's like the fourth time someone said that to me in the past day. And it's, that's where I have all my ideas, right? So if you're a shower thinker, just know that it's usually because you're in the process of um, doing something completely unconscious, which gives your conscious mind all that time to, so if you're not used to having epiphanies, creative moments, ahas, big, like, oh my God ultra knowing, get in the shower. That's right. And, and <laughs> just start where you start and don't think about what you're doing and out will come something. So I, I said to my husband, I'm like, I want to invent, I need to write things down. Mm-hmm. And so I write in this, I have a glass shower. So I write in the steam yeah. and oh, then, that's brilliant. well, and then I have to run out of the shower to try to find paper. <laughs> then I first have to find my glasses cause I can't fucking see. So there it's a, it's a joke. You need, you need like a, a, a dry erase. That's good for the shower. There's your invention. Oh, and I just shared it with the entire freaking world. Oh, well, but <laughs> if anyone wants to create it, I'm going to yes. buy it. Just let you know that that's yeah, that's absolutely true. And I get all the tech. I'm sure there's an app that I could talk to and all that, but it's, I, I'm, I have to write and think like, that's how yeah, I, me too. that's how I, I think as I'm writing. Yes. Yep. See, brain couple, we're brain a brain couple. couple. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lisa. So there you are. You are literally at uh, the top of the mountain and like, ah, 
maybe on your knees, who knows, like for the visual, like you're there yeah, yeah. and you have accepted and you have taken on and you are open and willing to just allow your life to unfold and trust that it's going to do so in a way that really makes sense for you. Yeah. What happened? What, what, what magic transpired as a result of you allowing this alignment to take place? I think what happened is I was able to let go of what I thought my life was supposed to look like and I'm surrendering. I'm still in the process. I'm surrendering because um, we're always unfolding, but I'm surrendering to the, to the um, idea of the fact that I'm going to figure it out as I go along, that I don't have to have all the answers. And I am an, I need to have all the answers kind of girl. I needed to know what was on the exam in, you know, in grad school before I got this exam so that I could study extra hard and get extra credit. So not knowing and, and living in that uncertainty of not knowing has, has been very challenging for me all my life. But my daughter helped me with that because I have no idea what's going to happen next, ever, <laughs> ever. Is she going to come and interrupt our podcast with no clothes on? Like it could happen. You don't know. Like, there's so there's so much unpredictableness that she is a constant teacher. It's almost like she's like my sensei of like just like knocking me off my game. Like, okay, I'm great again. Nope, you're not. Oh, thank you, sensei. Thank you. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm on the beach and I want to look cool. Like, you know, I don't have a perfect body by any stretch of the imagination, but like, I can never look even cool. Like I see the women sitting down on the beach with their cocktail or, you know, like their cool hat and the glasses. And I'm like, like my hair is a mess and, um, you know, sand everywhere and whatnot. So she is my teacher for helping me stay in that uncertainty, trusting that everything's going to be okay every day, every day, every day. And if it's not okay, then it's okay. And that was the biggest lesson for me that when there's nothing to fear, then there's nothing to fear. And facing her mortality, I had to face the greatest fear that any, I think any mother could ever face. Um, and that is losing a child. I was lucky. I was one of the lucky ones. I haven't lost her, but I have friends who have, and I watched it and I went to their funerals and by facing our, our mortality or that of our loved ones, I think it kind of wakes you up to say like, um, by the way, like there's, there's a time limit on your life and you better get moving. Otherwise you're gonna miss it. Like you're gonna miss out. And I don't like missing out on anything. <laughs> um, so I think what happened next was um, I, I started doing counseling online. I, you know, I, I, I did say a prayer again, even though I swore I never would, but I said, I, I, I was, I prayed for opportunities and they came and they came. And like you were saying, I was open. I said, I don't care what it looks like. I just need to make money and I want to do counseling. And I found a way to do it online. I've been doing that for um, almost seven years now. And I, and I wanted to do coaching again, because I did do coaching in my private practice as well. I had my own practice. I was marketing my coaching. Like I was starting to get into it and then I had to shut it down. And I said, you know, I really love my coaching practice. I want to do that again. And so I was open. And I also had a knowing that something big was coming. I have been feeling it. And I don't want to say like, I knew there was going to be a pandemic. Like I, I'm like one of, I knew it. Like, no, I had no freaking clue that we were going to be in shutdown lockdown, but I did have a knowing for the past, um, I, I would say like year and a half to two years before, I mean, a year before the pandemic, I'm like, I, I, I need to get ready. 
Like I've, I've been nesting, like I had this nesting energy and I don't know how else to describe it. Like something big is coming and I, I have to be prepared for it. I have to get ready somehow. Like I need to be preparing for something. Like I've, I had that energy and um, in February, right before, um, I mean, I know the pandemic started and that was in it, but we didn't, we weren't aware of it yet. Our, our area in the United States, I'm in New Jersey, we weren't you know, informed about it yet. We were still going about our lives like nothing was wrong. I had this overwhelming urgency to do something, to do something different. And it was keeping me up at night. It was waking me up at three o'clock in the morning. And anybody who knows that it's like, you know, three o'clock that hour, I would get up and I would journal. And I was like, what is it? What is it? And I thought it was just me being kind of like just impatient, like, okay, the counseling thing's great, but it's not enough. But they, it was, I'm telling you, it was like the universe, like knocking on the door and saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, come on. There's more, there's more, there's more. And I started signing up for different coaching things and Tony Robbins events and meeting people all over the globe who were doing things that I wanted to do. And again, those connections with my brain couples and soul sisters and brothers and I started to wake up myself, my, 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 and my vision started waking up again, you know, my vision. And I've had this vision all of my life, but it was almost like the universe is saying, okay, it's time. You're ready now. Let's go. And as I was doing that, the pandemic hit. And as soon as it hit, I'm going to tell you, it was horrible. And everyone's like, oh my God. But I was like, oh, phew, that's what it was. Okay. Now I get it. Now right. I get why I was feeling that way. And by the way, now it's feeding into all of my prepper energy. Cause I always, I was like a closet prepper. Like I, I'm like, Oh, I get to kind of like tap into this kind of weirdness about myself, you know? And um, I was all ready to go, you know? Um, and I was prepared, but not because, um, and, and I'm sure that my, my daughter, again, kind of helped me with that. Like I was in lockdown when we were in the hospital for two months. I was in lockdown for the first four years of her life when her immune system was not very strong and a cold could have taken her out. And so it's almost like the universe prepared me all along. When you're 13, you're going to get some practice in suicidal you know, ideation and, and, and prevention. And then, then you're going to have a daughter. So you're going to learn how to do like prepping for emergencies and understanding you know, the mechanics of the immune system and pulmonary systems. Like what? Um, and you know, here I am now being prepared for the next level. You know, I think you mentioned the term, like I'm leveling up. I'm just leveling up. But this is really like, I believe I'm following what has been my life's calling all along. And I'm finally paying, I shouldn't say finally paying attention. I've paid attention. I feel like this is the right time. My kids are getting older. They don't need me as much. I still am present to them, but they can entertain themselves. I don't need to be the hovering mom of a toddler. My daughter's health is better. I can spend more time on my business. It's not gonna be all consuming, but I have the energy and the passion for it. And if I try to sit with my kids, my son's 14, daughter's gonna, you know, 12, soon to be 13. They're like, mom, go away. And I'm like, okay, so that's not even the universe telling me to go away. Like that's a clear message directly from my kids. Like I don't need you very much anymore. And so all of that to say, it's just the right timing. I'm trusting my inner knowings and I'm ready to level up. So what? What specific, tell us what you've actually created that I get to be a part of, which I'm pretty pumped about. Yes. Um, okay. yeah. I know that you have a, a, a number of things going on, but this is, this is happening. This is happening now. So tell us about that. 
it's happening now. It's oh happening God. now. Oh my God. <laughs> so I put together a conference um, called Divine Prosperity, Secrets to Creating Fun and Freedom in Your Business. Notice the word fun in there. And yes, um, and I created this conference to bring entrepreneurs from all over the globe. There are people from all over um, who are uh, people that I can resonate with, you know, who are their leaders in their, in their own industries and everyone's doing something a little bit different, but they're all tapped into either their own spirituality or their own knowing of their following their life's calling and doing it unapologetically and doing it powerfully, you know? And I wanted to just put something out there to the world, um, which is really something I needed. I think a lot of times we create what we need, right? Yeah. And I've learned that it's like, people think, oh, you're the expert. I'm like, no, I really actually need this, which is why I'm creating it for you. Um, but I want connection. I want connection with other global leaders who are thinking the way I'm thinking who are wanting to influence the world in a positive way using the positive psychology and epigenetics and metaphysics, all the things we've talked about um, and influencing the world so that we can just make this massive shift because I really believe with all of my heart that we are in a major paradigm shift right now and I wanna be a part of it. I don't wanna miss the party, Yeah, you know? So I'm doing this conference, it's 21 days um, and every, it's a, it's an email pre-recorded conference. Why? Because of ease. Like you were saying, <laughs> yes. I want it to be fun and I want it to be easy. And so I want people to be able to use this conference as a way to kind of ignite their own vision, um, recognize they're not alone, maybe learn some secrets. I've learned from every expert. I'm like, I'm taking notes frantically afterwards, you know, because I don't have the shower thing yet. Um, I have to take <laughs> notes on paper. Um, and I'm taking notes about all the wonderful tidbits that we can all collectively uh, gain wisdom from. Um, so it's 21 days email every day. Uh, they get a new email in their inbox with a new with another um, expert speaker video. Um, and, and everybody's got a free gift too. Cause I, I'm all about the freebies. <laughs> so each expert gives a freebie too. So you can just kind of start, you, you know, creating your business and creating new things in your business and start momentum right away. I am so excited and I'm so honored that I get to be a part of this oh, yeah. amazing oh, yeah. conference, this global shift. And you're right. I don't, it, it's happening. And so we all have a choice. We can yes, we do. delete, 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 or we can be like open and aware and allow and really yeah. dive into this. Um, and it's through these, these, this connective tissue that you're creating that the, the so many um, amazing people are looking to create. That's where the shifts are going to happen. You mm-hmm. know, we can get really overwhelmed with like, what am I going to do? Whatever you can. And then connected to what the next person and the next person this, you know, this interdependence that we're creating um, globally is, yeah. is what's going to make a huge, huge difference. So I'm so... Yeah, so get on the party bus. Yeah. <laughs> so feels like, you know. Me, I will make um, whatever link available that I can um, yeah. to all of my people. And so you will definitely be able to access that and connect Wonderful. with Lisa um, if you're interested in learning more about her experience, any facet of it. So brilliant. So Lisa, before we pop off, what is, what is one thing that you would love 
the listeners to walk away with today? Great question. <laughs> um, I would say the, the greatest thing is just trust yourself. Trust yourself and love yourself. We're, all, we're so hard on ourselves so many times and we think we're not doing it right. We're not doing enough, but just love yourself and trust yourself. So good. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for your time. And thank you. Thank you. See everybody really soon. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.